Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we have a bonus episode. So, releasing it here and kind of towards the end of the week. And it's going to be one that actually I was interviewed on the Restless Native podcast with the host, Brad Luttrell. So Brad interviewed me, who is also the founder of the Go Wild app. And he interviewed me on the the topic of why I started the podcast, you know, how I started it, and a little bit into, you know, outdoor writing, um, some of my hunting as well as entrepreneurship and kind of that journey. So this one's a little bit different. It's We're not going into anything as far as, you know, um, you know what you typically would get from the East meets West, but I, I really enjoyed Brad's questions and interviews here. It was uh, unique to be able to kind of switch the roles for a little bit and have him interview me where... Normally, you know, I'm the one doing the interviews with other people and, and talking. So that was pretty cool. And so th- that's what it basically just re-releasing this podcast that I did with Brad that he released on the Restless Native. Definitely check out his podcast. It's it's very it's very good. And he, he does it so different. I mean, there's a variety of topics, but a lot of business-related ones that, that I find really interesting, as well as hunting, fishing, and a bunch of others but so before we get into that episode here i just want to you know thank our partners through university of elk hunting and elk 101 so Corey jacobson has created a platform so if you've ever wanted to plan a do-it-yourself western elk hunt or Maybe you've been doing it already, but are struggling. You know, you're like myself and, and going on, you know, coming on the fourth year here and, and haven't killed an elk. And you want to learn more about elk behavior and calling and fitness and gear and everything else. No matter what your level is of elk hunting, you have something that you can learn from his course. So his online course it's completely online. You can do it from your phone on an app or you can do it on the computer. It's a full encompassing course to teach you all about elk hunting. So Corey has offered the listeners up a coupon code. East meets West will save you $20 on an annual membership, which is 20% off. And I really, I, I've purchased this course for the last this will be the fourth year now that, that I bought the course and it's helped me out a ton and reduce that learning curve when it comes to, to elk hunting. And also Heather's choice. Heather has created meals that were, are a healthy option for going into the backcountry, for traveling. So basically they're dehydrated meals that you can take that aren't full of salt and sugars and carbohydrates you know it's it's a really high protein high fat type food that tastes extremely good and i've been using it a lot for traveling and so when you're going places and you're in airports and everything else grab a little pack of packaroons 
and you eat that, get anywhere between 320 and 400 calories in just two little coconut cookie type and a whole bunch of different flavors. Really like the, the mint chocolate and uh, some of the other different flavors that she has there. But anyways, they are offering the listeners free shipping on any orders over $99. So if you enter the code East Meets West, you'll get free shipping on those orders. Come directly from Alaska, from their kitchen to your door. And they have some sampler packages if you want to try some things out. If your order isn't going to be over $99, still please use the the link on our website. That really helps uh, show the support. And also, Maven Optics. So Maven has taken a business model that they're direct consumer so they're not they're not selling anywhere besides online or at shows and what that is what they're able to do with that is able to come out with an extremely high quality product you know going head to head with the big dogs of Swarovski, Zeiss, Leica and have that premium high quality Japanese glass, American components and be able to to put them out at, at a lower price point because of not having that, that middleman markup. And so Maven has offered uh, a free gift with any full price optics order. So if you enter the code East Meets West dash gift, then you will get a free gift, which changes uh, pretty frequently on a, a monthly basis. And, but you'll get that with the order. So, Check out Maven Optics if you want to see some sample things. I've taken some videos in low light to show the differences. You know, feel free to shoot me a message or an email, and I'll send that to you. And if you have any questions on them, uh, let me know. So with that being said, a couple other news points here I want to cover. So I did release a, a new – two new hats, actually. They're the Stealth Trucker hats and regular multicam as well as – uh, black multicam, really cool hats uh, designed over at the the guy, the people over at Bighorn Designs in Wyoming created these hats for me, and they are awesome. I'm really pumped about them, and they uh, they're the ones that do all the apparel for Maven actually. Which if you checked out Maven stuff before, their apparel is top notch, and and Bighorn Designs is a big reason behind that. So check those out. The new Stealth Trucker hats um, are for sale and shipping now on the website. I also wanted to give a little update on the Mountain Buck shirt. So it's something I did a pre-order uh, about three weeks ago. I started that. And what what the happened with these shirts, so they were, they were a hit. I mean, a lot of people liked them and put in some pre-orders. And I was having a little bit of problems from the manufacturer that was making them. Um, as far as they kept pushing out the lead time and, and everything else, I was kind of getting frustrated. And they finally got them to me, and they just did not turn out to my expectations. I mean, there were some, some issues with them that I just was not going to be satisfied with and would never send out to anybody. So we called, and I called the, the manufacturer, tried to work it out with them, and, and uh, they weren't real uh, good on on helping with from a customer service standpoint so i uh, ended up refunding me all my money and i switched it over to bighorn designs because i know that they're going to come out with they're going to produce extremely high quality stuff no issues no blemishes so 
they do a quality check on all their stuff before it goes out the door. So those are now on their way back. Should have them here and shipped out in a couple weeks. So I, I apologize to everyone for the delay. And the people that ordered responded back to me and were super awesome about it. And I really appreciate that. And they're like, yeah, no, no problem. It's not like we're going to prom. We don't need them, you know, right now. So that was awesome to be able to have, uh, you know, the customers that I do here. And, and if you do want to go over and check them out on the website, the design is up. It's a pretty cool design. And 3% of those sales are going to the QDMA um, and also all of the other apparel items I have, 3% of that goes to backcountry hunters and anglers. So pretty cool. And for the final news, and I'll let, I'll get right into this podcast here before I keep talking is this weekend. So it'll be March 31st. If you happen to be in the North, Northern central, uh, North central Pennsylvania area, come over to the dam Inn in Wilcox PA I am co-hosting a pint night with backcountry hunters and anglers, selling some apparel, uh, talking public lands, talking whitetails, talking elk hunting, talk, just, it's going to be a great event, having some beers, some food, and just, you know, meeting with some like-minded people, so if you guys can make that, that's from 6 to 8 p.m. this Sunday at the Dam Inn in Wilcox, Pennsylvania, so, uh, I hope to see a bunch of people. I think it's going to be a really good turnout. Excited for that. So, all right, without further ado, let's get into this one. And like I said, this was a re-release from the Restless Native and Brad Luttrell. Enjoy. Restless Native is brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is an activity tracking platform for outdoors enthusiasts. You can share your story, track your hunts, your hikes, your fishing trips, all that on the Go Wild app. Go Wild recently partnered with NWTF. Of course, that is the National Wild Turkey Federation. And we're extremely proud and excited of this partnership. And one thing I wanted to tell you about in today's ad is there is a free turkey hunt on the line. All you have to do is have the Go Wild app, search NWTF. You can get entered right there by taking the pledge to take someone hunting or fishing for the first time this year. You also need to be an NWTF member, which really, why are you not already a member if you're not? This is a great organization. They're making great strides for conservation. I hope you all would check it out and, and consider joining NWTF and join the pledge. Take the pledge today to take somebody out for the first time this year. Thank you to the team at Go Wild for making this podcast possible. We get a lot of questions about how to start a podcast. Today, we have answers. This show is a podcast with a guy who started a podcast. Over the last few weeks, we've heard from some pretty large brands like Garmin and First Light. We heard about these stories years down the road from when that first person, the founder, took that leap of faith and said, I want to do this. Now, all great companies at some point had someone who said, I believe. They made that jump. Today, we're going to hear from someone who is in that pivotal moment of trying to figure out when to jump, like right now. He's trying to figure this out right now. We'll actually start to talk about that, like when to do that and some, not, I don't want to say coaching, but like just hacking through it, like thinking through the model of of running a podcast and how it's going to be successful. You're going to hear that in real time on this show. We get to hear about what it takes to build a brand and 
just how do you start that outdoors podcast journey? I'm really excited about this one. Bo is an incredibly nice guy. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this show. I look forward to seeing your feedback when you log this podcast on Go Wild. I'm the host, Brad Luttrell, and this is Restless Native with writer, podcaster, and hunter, Bo Martonic. Bo, welcome to Restless Native. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. I'm not going to lie, man. The first like three or four times I saw you pop up in my Instagram feed, I thought you were Cody Rich because of that mustache. <laughs> That's funny. I, I've been called a whole bunch of things from Cody Rich to Ryan Callahan to, you know, a, a straight creep. But either way. Yeah, I that that that's really funny. It's it's recognizable, that's for sure. Well, you you've kind of owned the mustache in a different way. Like you've branded it, right? Like it, it's like this is part of your your thing now, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh I call it the rut stash. So it, it started as a a joke where I for every archery season I would grow out a mustache and I said this is my rut stash, you know, it brought me good luck. And then it just I just started growing the rut stash in March of last year and just kind of for fun and started East Meets West at the same time and it kind of became a part of the brand and I realized that and everyone's like, Oh, I love the rut stash and this and that. So I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna make a t shirt out of this and a hashtag and and it turned into a whole whole ordeal of uh different things i had a, a rut stash challenge and and stuff where i raised money for backcountry hunters and anglers uh based on people growing out their mustache and making their you know significant others upset but either way it's it's been a part of it so say man my wife cries every time i grow out a mustache uh not <laughs> like i never like i never grow out just a mustache it's usually i have a beard and then i will shave said beard and leave behind a mustache and my wife will just look at me and she's like no mm-mm. get back in- <laughs> <laughs> get back in the bathroom <laughs> yeah this year uh this year i actually did rock a mustache for two days because of halloween we were getting ready to go to a halloween party and we, we got two kids so we don't exactly think through like our own halloween costumes and last minute uh she, i don't even remember what she wore i uh i pulled out Oh, I think she, no, I don't, I don't, I think she wore a pumpkin sweater, uh, that she just had. And I was like, no, I'm going all out. So I, in 30 minutes pulled together, like 30 minutes before we went out the door, I pulled together a costume, which I dubbed your dad. And I, I wore like <laughs> really short jean shorts, um, a high school, my I little, I, for some reason have my, one of my dad's high school uh, shirts from his high school. It's super skinny, like those those real high sleeves they had in the 80s and uh it had like these 80s graphics on it and then i wore a kentucky basketball hat that i've had my whole life and it's like a trucker hat but it's a soft foam it's not like the cool richardsons that we have now uh yeah and it looks ridiculous i had some blue blockers that i found uh and i had like high socks on with i don't remember what kind of shoes but then i please tell me white sneakers yeah yeah i think they were white shoes i had uh if if i remember correctly no 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 what i looked for those i couldn't find any white sneakers (laughs) i used to have some but i ended up wearing socks with sandals um because it's like your dad (laughs) and not that that was necessarily an 80s thing i was just like okay we're going dad mode here and then i carried around a uh 
I have a camera collection, so I grabbed like one of my Polaroids from the eighties, and then I made a out of some poster board we had a like a Polaroid frame and wore it around my neck, and it said "Your Dad, nineteen eighty seven and uh, I actually in thirty and, and then I shaved off my beard and left the mustache. And in my thirty-minute costume, it was good enough to win the, uh, the the costume contest at that party. So I won a bottle of bourbon for my thirty minutes of effort. <laughs> that's hilarious. That that's pretty cool that you're able to pull that together in that short amount of time. You know, I, w- I was pretty proud of it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I, I think I posted it on my Go Wild account. If anybody wants to dig through back to Halloween and find my. Uh, <laughs> my Halloween costume. All right, man. I, you know, it's funny with podcasts. I, I, I just told you a second ago, I'm like, I never really, I like don't want to overscript these to let it go where it naturally goes. And there's always a place that it goes to like really early for me that I didn't see it going. And that's it. I did not anticipate telling you about my Halloween costume. <laughs> hey, I love that kind of, you know, <laughs> that's what I do with my podcast too. Sometimes I go down some rabbit holes and it's good. Dude, like if it. you overstructure them, it's, it's like, it's almost like listening to an educational tape. Like nobody, nobody signs up for that with these things. No. Hey man, I want, sorry. So I, I do want to like, before we get too deep into uh, the, the rabbit hole though, I want to back up and talk about like, okay, we know you, you just mentioned you got a podcast and a brand that you're, you're working on. Um, I, I was seeing this around, you're doing a really great job. Your branding, first of all, uh, I, I actually thought you had been around for much like you, your branding was so consistent and good and I'm a branding guy. So I recognize this and think about it probably overanalyze a little bit more than, than most people probably do, but I kept seeing it pop up and I was like, this is one of those really big podcasts that i probably should be embarrassed about, uh, for not knowing, thinking it was like a gritty that had been around <laughs> for a long time. And and then I, you haven't been doing it for like that long. Once I dug into it, but it, it's also like you're you're landing some really big guests. Um, so I want to hear about like the show itself in a second. But you told me an interesting story about your journey to becoming a podcaster in the hunting space. Can you can you kind of go through that again and tell people like your background and how you got into this? Yeah, and first of all, thank you for uh, saying that. But I, yeah, I've only been in the whole podcast game now. I think the first episode dropped on July first of two thousand eighteen, so it's it's still relatively new. But um, so I'll, I'll get into the story here, and if if I'm going too long, Brad, tell me to to cut it short. But <laughs> it, it all it, it all started um it all started back in I think it was around two thousand sixteen. I was I. Had, just it might have been 2015 i just got into hearing about podcasts and and listened to a couple of them beyond the kill from with adam yonke was one of the first ones and then i think the gritty bowman at the time was coming out and really dug into it and liked it i'm like you know what it's awesome to be able to fill your mind with something other than song lyrics that don't really do you any good i can actually learn information from this when when i'm driving and or working out or whatever it may be so anyways the the podcast world kind of got me into western hunting and and that along with a couple of books that i read got me into going out west for the first time and when i did that it was an experience that kind of changed my whole uh view with with hunting and kind of where i wanted to go with it and i just it was a, a do-it-yourself seven-day backpack hunt in Colorado for elk, and I was I was unsuccessful from a standpoint of filling a tag, but 
the experiences I had from just being one plain miserable during part of it and two just the lessons learned from that trip had it I don't know it inspired me to to write a story on it and I I am not I was not a writer I had not written since college and just wrote this story about my first elk hunt and I titled it East Meets West submitted it to an online publication the journal mountain hunting which is uh adam yonke's podcast beyond the kill it's his writing side and he decided to run it as a subscriber story and from that i got a lot of feedback from people you know wanting to know about it and be like how did someone you know from the east go on this trip do you have a lot of money do you what's how did you make that happen and what i realized was there was a giant gap and information for people from the east coast learning how to i guess plan these type of hunts and just thought it was for the the rich and the people that were on outdoor television on these big ranches and so i started doing some more writing on that side of things adam i don't know what he saw in me but he decided to to bring me on as a a field editor to give some eastern perspective to it and I, I started writing more, and, and that kind of snowballed into writing for a couple magazines, including like Peterson's Bow Hunting, and and some other online publications, all about you know, you know, going west. And I, I like I said, I, I had been a big fan of podcasts, and really realized that there, I was getting a lot of information from them, but I was having to dig really deep. And there was a gap between starting out and, you know, already having a background on the topic. So a lot of the, there's a lot of great, you know, Western hunting podcasts, including, you know, like Gritty and, and some of the, and, you know, Cody Rich's podcast and everything. But I felt like it was hard to connect with them from an Eastern perspective, just because they grew up, you know, in the West. So I, I had came up with this idea. I'm like, I want to do my own podcast to help people, you know, find adventure through hunting in places from East to West. But I was, you know, I was afraid to do it to be completely honest. And so in the meantime, you know, I was doing some dabbling in some photography and just, you know, kind of putting stuff up on Instagram and everything. And, Finally, last year, it was right before the ATA show. I said, I'm going to do that this year. I'm going to start a podcast. And so I went through about a four-month process of overanalyzing everything with it and coming down to the you know the, the stuff to use, the, the gear, the, the business plan, all this stuff. I just completely blew it out of the water for what it needed to be. But what... What that did was it came around the May time frame and a friend of mine who works for the Total Archery Challenge uh, in Pennsylvania called me. He's like, hey, man, like I heard about what you're trying to do here. Um, I, I can get you in. We have an open booth space if you want it. Uh, can you get all your equipment together and start podcasting in three weeks? And I'm like, geez, well, that lit a, you know, a fire kind of under my ass to get going and and. I got all the equipment, I made it happen and started recording there. So that was a very long winded way of saying it, but that's kind of my journey into starting East meets West and really just wanting to 
help people again find adventure as I did is because it was so life changing for me. Well, dude, you're uh, you hit one thing that you said really stuck out to me. Uh, stood out to me it was the part where you said that you found the gap between beginner and and like where everybody else strikes just already moving to be extreme and i'm like that with fishing now too uh i have a hard time reading or even understanding some of the fishing content that's out there because people that like eat breathe sleep this uh you know fishing and no matter what type of fishing it is it doesn't matter if it's bass fishing cat fishing um you know deep sea any of it there's there's a certain amount of knowledge that i just don't have and a lot of that i haven't been able to hang with and i've been fishing my whole life like i I, i've just never been um you know like my, my business partner john hunter fishes the flw and he can talk about fishing and sound to me as smart as my co-founder Zach, who's a data scientist. Like they, they, they both like <laughs> they, they, they are so far above what my, my comprehension level is. And when I started go wild, I had a little bit of that with deer hunting because I realized that, uh, I had been hunting with the guy and when it came clear, I wasn't going to be hunting with him this season. I'm like, all right, whatever. I know how to hunt. I'll go out and, uh, deer hunt by myself. And I'd done two seasons with him. So I thought I knew what I was doing, but I actually found out I was just deer hunting with a good deer hunter. Uh, it didn't mean I was a good deer hunter. So I started researching and I got totally skunked my first uh, hardest I'd ever hunted. And I got skunked. I didn't even, I actually did see one deer, a doe, which you can't shoot in that zone, uh, running away from me blowing. And it's like, I had no idea what I was doing. And, and when I started researching that, I'm like, I don't even know the right things to ask to, to learn. Like there's a certain point where like, you, you know, things that you don't know, but it's the unknown unknowns that are really scary in that scenario. Or not scary, but like, that's the intimidating part is like, I don't even know what questions to ask to learn to be better. Like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong because I don't know anything. I, I kind of went through that on whitetail hunting. I had a uh, hunted small game and like I said, fished on and off my whole life. But like whitetail and I'd been around whitetail hunting. I just didn't know how to like doing it on my own, knowing how to track and knowing what was a good spots and like understanding how to work the wind from a tree stand and like planning for that. I didn't know how to do any of this. And it was, so when you, when you're talking about like the, how overwhelming that felt. I can totally, totally identify with that. I've been through that and I, again, still live that with the fishing side of things. Yeah. And, and you're exactly right. I mean, like when I planned that first trip out West, I drove myself nuts trying to figure it out. Like I, I didn't know that, you know, you need the special backpacks to haul meat out. I didn't know how to do any of that. I'm, you know, I was from Pennsylvania. I, I didn't, I had no exposure to it. And the only thing that I ever, you know, seen from a Western hunting side of things was the, the primo shows on, on the outdoor channel that, you know, weren't realistic to what I was about to do. And it, it took a long time for me to get comfortable with it. And I still just kind of winged it from the now, you know, looking back and I wanted to shorten that learning curve for people and make it so that, you know, I'm just stubborn. And if I want to learn something, I will, where it might be, a little overwhelming for other people and they may never do it. And I, I just want to create that resource where people want to do that. And, and to add to that, if they don't say they can't go out West because of, you know, maybe they just had a, a baby or they just got married or financials, not exactly right. Well, I wanted to identify that there's a, places in the East too, that you can do that. The Appalachian mountain region 
you know, that runs the whole way up the East Coast and everything is is a gold mine for places to go and have that Western type hunt, but just for deer or turkey, bear, whatever it might be. But you can create your own adventure there too that might be two and a half, three hours from your home that you could do on a long weekend rather than, you know, putting aside 10 to 14 days to travel across the country. So that's kind of the i guess the avenue that i took with it yeah man people forget about bear hunting in the east and and we've got some massive bears down in the uh the southeast um the north carolina area i think it's north carolina in the carolinas i mean these these big like massive uh you know 600 pound bears there was even uh in virginia close to where my parents are it was like just over the mountain in kentucky or from where they are in kentucky uh, maybe an hour away, somebody hit a black bear that they were estimating was almost 700 pounds. Um, and, and, and you can, and you hunt those, uh, in the fall. That's what's like, that's where a lot of people are going to be like, Oh, turn their nose up at it. It's not like a spring bear hunt out West, but you're still a lot of these areas. It's still going to be a lot of glassing. It's still going to be a lot of, um, you know, you would be able to move around. You could definitely treat it similar to a Western hunt in some regards. The problem with where I, I hunt, and I think it's probably similar for you up where you are, is like it's so noisy. People out West don't understand our woes in the fall of like you, yeah. you can't move. Like you're so grounded because of the leaves. Like there's so freaking many – like you – any anything i mean like unless it's raining and the leaves are wet you cannot move in silence or even like relative quietness in the woods unless you're a black bear or a deer <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah no exactly if you're a squirrel you're louder than everything oh yeah for sure but... <laughs> I, I i feel like that gets overlooked i've had some people say like well why don't you you know you guys have um some areas that that are uh, more mountainous why don't you try the western style of hunting i'm like we don't do that here because it doesn't work i mean you're not sneaking up on a buck especially the bow i mean you're definitely not sneaking up on anything with a bow uh it, at least where i hunt back home now here where i'm on uh, on uh western no, i'm not western kentucky i'm central kentucky but west of where i hunt um in the in the appalachian mountains is you know it's it's here it's totally different it's farmland you could you could try some of that, I guess. Like I I've had moments where I pop up over a little knoll and you know there's some deer standing there looking at me or some coyotes or whatever. Uh, I think I think there's opportunities for some of that, but you're also on farmland now and it's not the western experience. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and I mean, but there's also like you can look at it from the side of, um, yeah, maybe you're not doing you know spot and stock or, um, or or glassing, you know, for animals. Like a lot of the areas where I'm at is super thick and you can't glass. But what you can do is, you know, pack back in pretty far. And in a lot of areas, you're allowed to camp. So you can still set up a camp like you would be backpack hunting and then still get, get in your tree stand or whatever it might be. And so it's kind of a, you know, a mixture there of things. And it's funny you, what you are saying about the size of bears. Actually, in Pennsylvania this past year, I think we had three of them that were killed that went over 800 pounds. Ooh, massive, yeah. man. And, and I don't quote me on that. It might have been over 700, but I'm Either pretty way. sure at least they were, they were huge. They were, they were stupid big. So Now, do you guys have uh, the, the crazy amount of bears that are popping up everywhere in the Northeast? Like, Do you have this huge influx that's popped up over the last decade? Uh, not really any more than we've had in the past. We've always had a lot of bears, yeah. but, uh, where, where I'm at is kind of in the middle of nowhere. So it's where you don't see them as much still. It's just a lot of thick timber and 
they show up on my cameras all the time, but I rarely see them when I'm in the woods. I know. Um, I can't remember what state it was. I know New Jersey has like the densest, most dense black bear population in the country. And then uh, there's another couple states up there that they're just exploding. And it's probably from lack of lack of hunting. I mean, there's no there's no pressure. Um, you know, you, you need that predator management when you get when it gets into some of these densely populated areas. But uh, all right. So I, I well, actually I wanted to ask you, how many shows did you do that first, uh, you know, your first trip out to uh, crap? What was the total archery challenge? How many how many people <laughs> did you interview? Thirteen. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, I lined you got them after up. it, man. Oh, I did. And the scary part was, is I had not recorded any before besides practicing myself. So I was hoping that they turned out great. And luckily they did. I mean, I had a few things that I I had to adjust afterwards, but they weren't like terrible quality or anything. Um, The first one I did was with Gritty and uh, Jordan Harbertson for Mountain Ops. And uh, Brian was a huge help with me kind of He's the one who helped me pick out my equipment and showed me, you know, what audio levels to run it at so I wasn't picking up a ton of background noise. So I, I had some help there. But, yeah, I I had 13 guests in that one weekend. Whew, I thought you'd be like five or, you know, five yeah. to me would be a lot. I uh, People, when I go to trade shows, a lot of times people are like, hey, you going to record, you going to do some podcasts and – I want to, but it's also like, it's hard for me to get out of the trade show what I need to get out of it. And it's also like you kind of said the background noise and everything's problematic. So, um, it's, it's, there's a lot of controls that you have to try to have within this scenario. So I, I've not done it really. I'm doing, I'm going down to national wild Turkey here in, um, two days. I'm going down and I'm going to interview, uh, Becky, the CEO of the national wild Turkey Federation. And, um, that'll be cool. I think we're going to get off to a side room and I might end up, you know, if I meet somebody that it's cool, I'm like, Hey man, let's sit down for a podcast. But for the most part, I haven't really tried to do that. So I, cause it's hard. Like I'm saying that because it's hard to do. So good job. I, um, I'm impressed. Um, well, yeah, other shows though, I, I have kind of avoided it for the most part. Like recently, like ones where I'm indoors, um, you know, ATA show, I did a couple, but, um, for the most part, I've just maybe scheduled them there because it's too tough. Like you said, to get what you need out of the show and still sit down and, you know, record some. Yeah. And even though you're in person, like in theory, you should have good audio because you're in person, right? That's always your best scenario for audio is because you, you have controls, but those trade shows, I mean, when I was talking to you at ATA, we were at the Garmin booth right over there by, I guess it was a predator calling booth that was on the other side of that curtain. Cause about every yeah. eight minutes there was a coyote howl another eight minutes and it's a turkey gobble and then another eight minutes and it's like a elk calling and you know that stuff's distracting you know i we're you're both trying to create quality content nobody wants that stuff happening in the background even if it is clear that you're at a trade show there's a certain level of of background noise that's acceptable and uh that like that environment typically is not it (laughs) yeah no i i completely agree i mean that's it and like like you said, National Wild Turkey Federation is probably the most difficult one because it's nothing but people blowing on turkey oh, yeah. calls. <laughs> I, I've never been to that show, but I I do anticipate that being a challenge. But I I have this is the loosest schedule I've had in uh, for anything that we've been doing. Actually, ATA was pretty open, but we were also kind of we were rolling out that new product and we were getting a lot of questions rolling into it. And I'm like, I need to be in the booth to talk about this. Uh, you know, meeting the media members that are coming through. So I didn't want to leave the booth. Um, I'll probably 
had time to schedule some stuff, but I didn't want to because I felt like I, like I said, I needed to get out what I came for. But we're, we've got a pretty loose schedule on uh, Thursday and Friday. So I'm, I'm thinking if I get a chance and, and there is a quiet space, which if there's not, then I won't be recording anything else, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah, I might, might record something, but I'm kind of excited about this show because I hear it's a fun one to just wander. Like you, it's, it's a more consumer facing show. So that, that part will be fun. I'm, I'm pumped. Have you been, it sounds like you've been to it. No, actually, I just have heard from friends that have went there about how loud it is, and yeah. that there's a, a lot of people, you know, hitting the turkey calls and everything else. So. I imagine that to be true. All right, so what do you like uh, from your show? I, uh, I obviously think you've done a great job pulling the branding together, but I'm curious what you think you've done a good job. Like, what interviews have you been the most proud of from your podcast? What, uh, which ones come to mind? Huh. So, the first one that I did with with Jordan and Brian was really cool because it actually kind of turned around where well Brian you know is a podcaster with the gritty podcast and he you know was almost interviewing me from some of it and really kind of helped get out you know what I was doing with the podcast and we went on a whole different side of things that wasn't hunting related uh, there was a little bit that tied into hunting, but it was more life lessons and things along those lines. And it's been a really uh, popular podcast and, and one that I had really fun recording. So that was that was one of them that, you know, sticks out to me. And for, from the other side of it, it was uh, an, another guest that, that I had on was uh, John Barklow. He's the, the big game product manager for Sika Gear. And I've had him on twice now, but when I first got to talk to him about uh, building uh, and a performance apparel systems, him, him and I have geeked out on these things for a few years since I met him in ATA like three years ago. I, I worked for an archery shop and used to be a SICA dealer, so I was the quote-unquote SICA specialist there for helping customers out and build their systems for their dream hunts. And when I... So I'd always bounce questions off John. And once I finally got this platform where I could interview him and him and I could just sit there and geek out on it, that was a lot of fun. And that was that was a, a really fun podcast to, to be able to do. You, um, you've got some and, big names on here, though. Aaron Snyder, Corey Jacobson. Uh, is that how you say his last name? Yeah, yep, Jacobson. I'm, and, yeah, I've had Tim Burnett from Solo Hunter on there. Uh, J- Jason Matzinger yeah. most recently at Great. the ATA show and yeah so I've yeah I've definitely had some really cool guests on there and then also a lot of people that were that are you know relatively unheard of that just bring some amazing uh, information and experience to the table so I like to kind of mix it yeah, between too. you know some of the, the big mainstream guys and then the people that are you know the the um, uh, you know down to earth just you know, backwoods type guys that are that no one's heard of before. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I mean, honestly, man, the the big mainstream guys are only going to help you with your audience if they're going to promote it. Like if if they're not going to go tell anybody, you're still sitting there trying to tell the same people you were telling before. You might get a couple more people interested because it was a big name. But the flip side of that is like, how many times have people heard Aaron Snyder on a podcast? You know, there, there there's also that challenge of like they're everywhere. 
And so therefore, like, why would your show stand out? So strategically, at first, it can seem like, oh, I should chase these big name guys. They're, if I get just one of these guys on, I'm going to be able to double my listeners, you know, when you're early. And if I can just get one of them, I'll be able to, you know, expand my podcast growth by 20 percent or whatever your goals are. You know, you think that it's going to happen that way. And it doesn't necessarily happen that way. Like it, it actually it's just a slow, grinded out process um, you know, no matter, I, I actually have found that I, I've, I've said this quite a bit lately. People are probably tired of hearing me saying it cause it sounds like I'm bragging, but I, I just think this is the nature of podcast. I have found that most of the time, not every time there's certainly scenarios in which like I interview a Hannah Barron and it blows up cause it's Hannah Barron. Um, but like most people that don't have, you know, half a million followers, and even if it's like that 50 to 150 range, like they're going to do whatever all the other shows are doing. You'll see some variety. Uh, you'll see some that are, you know, substantially better, but sometimes the ones that are substantially better surprise me. Like when I started realizing that, Hey, every time I have one of my co-founders on, that's one of our best shows for the month. And I thought it was kind of a fluke at first, but consistently every time we do a team go wild podcast, I even released one as like a bonus show and said, do not listen to this episode, which actually maybe that was a great marketing tactic because people are like, Oh, what's this about? Um, <laughs> but, but even like, like John Hunter having John on, uh, which John's like, I mean, he, John's a professional angler. Um, so he's got a little bit more notoriety about him, but the rest of us are like, I'm a creative guy. I have a developer who has been on, um, you know, I just, today released a podcast with my co-founder Zach who is a data scientist like these are not people that draw big groups in the outdoor space yet with our audience some, there's something about that go wild network that people want to listen to that so those guys have done really well beating out I'm not gonna like I don't want to you know drop names on who didn't perform like I thought they would do but they've beat out some people that you would have said there's no way that that would happen you know yeah no it's funny you say that I've really notice that myself and you know and, and and again i'm not not gonna name drop anybody but there's been people that have been awesome guests great show big names and then they don't promote it like they said they would and it just it doesn't go and it doesn't go any higher than any other one <laughs> and yep. then you know i've had people i had a, a buddy of mine recently that i just met hunting up here in northern pennsylvania and He's an amazing whitetail hunter. I mean, the guy just knows stuff publicly and just just traveled to the U.S. And anyways, I interviewed him recently. It was the longest episode I ever did. It was just him and I, you know, kind of rambling about it. And it was one of my most downloaded episodes. And it was pretty cool to be able to to see that. And, and I've really been paying attention to kind of see how that goes, where – on the flip side at the beginning when I put Aaron Snyder on there and he shared it on his Instagram, it probably did double my yeah. following in a very short amount of time. But yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, yep. there's like, it, it does depend on like, you, you almost wish you could know some, some of these people you wish you could know, like, are they going to promote it? You know, because sometimes the coordination and then the fact that they have been on so much other content, you have to weigh that stuff. It's, you know, sometimes it's better to find that unknown person and to, if people find that you're providing value with those unknown people and things that are interesting, I think that at the end of the day, that's what matters the most is if, if I have a uh, podcast that I know is contributing content that is typically quality, I'm going to listen no matter who the guest is. So I think that's it more than anything. I went through a stretch where I, uh, experimented with, um, 
the I, I you know my show is a little bit different i talk about the business side and the marketing and like growing hunting brands and like people that are working really hard in the outdoors industry and i'm not trying to tell as much hunting i mean we tell hunting stories well, well like i've got some where it's like really hunting heavy and then some where it's not so i decided i was like i want to do some marketing heavy ones because i had a show where people started asking me about influencers and I decided to like really dig into that. So I brought on a super knowledgeable guy named Josh Claflin, who is a, he runs a digital ad agency. And I mean, he's the most knowledgeable, one of the most knowledgeable people about how influencer marketing works that I've ever spoken to. And we, we like got into the nitty gritty. We didn't talk about the outdoors until we got to the last like 15 minutes of that show. So People, you know, I did a couple like that. I had, um, I had AJ DeRosa on from, um, shoot project Upland. And, um, I thought honestly, we'd talk more marketing with him, but we ended up talking a lot about our three, um, efforts. And then, um, I had a digital, another digital marketer on. So I did like three of these almost back to back to back just out of curiosity on how they would do. And I mean, I didn't drop off any, it wasn't explosive, but I, I did find, uh, some interesting, you know, feedback from my guests from shaking it up and some people really loved it you either really loved it or you really were just like whatever you know it was like if you, you, a lot of people were like eh, i'd rather hear the hunting stories <laughs> yeah no I, I i get you there and i actually listened to the one uh recently what was the first uh guest that you had said there that you guys really dived into oh, influencer jo- marketing? josh claflin yeah that was a very good one and i actually have it in my in my phone to listen to it again and go through <laughs> that's it. That's good because, to hear, man. Uh, I'm, I mean, I, yeah. I think if you, no matter what you're doing, if it's podcast or webs, running a blog or, or what influencer marketing in terms of a, a Instagram account or, or whatever, like that guy, that podcast alone really lines out how you need to be thinking of your content. And I learned a lot from him and, um, I want to get him. I might, I might end up doing another, if we, he might be at Poma, this summer. So I might, I might sit back down with him and chat some more, but I knew I wanted to have him on cause his, his presentation was very, very solid, but also not like I've seen a lot of social media, like this is what social media marketing is and this is how we do it. And it's, you know, I was in advertising for seven years and there's just so much of that crap out there. So his was very different. And anytime you hear somebody talking about things in a different way, it's like, okay, this guy's a thought leader. So I knew he was going to be a great, ep- a great interview. What I didn't know, like a great, I knew he was very smart and would be uh, articulate. What I didn't know was how my audience would respond. But it, I mean, it was like said, there were a lot of people that were like, holy crap, I had no idea. And I've had a lot of people tell me, like you said, they're going to listen to it again. Um, you know, speaking of growing as an influencer, you know, you've had, so we, we just talked about how you've had these huge celebrity type people on, and I don't like calling hunters celebrities, but you kind of get to a point to where like the industry knows Aaron Snyder, the industry knows Brian Call. So like where you've also interviewed these lesser known people, where do you see, you know, what's your one year, five year plan for, for what you're doing right now with East meets West? Yeah. So as far as like, you mean, as far as the guests go or just kind of how uh, the, I like see the, the, brand, the topics go, the brand and like you, you do a combination of writing and podcasting and like, what do you see East meets West as a brand? Uh, you know, maybe you're like, Oh, I want to, um, start my own news website. Like I have no idea what, what you might want to, like, I'm, I'm more interested in like the high level when I do my, five-year follow-up with you what would you be what would you be into uh then and then like what's in the shorter term plan for you yeah so 
it's it's um it's an interesting concept for me and I, I kind of go back and forth with this a lot in my own head and you know where it's exactly going but like my five-year plan is to and again I do not have this figured out whatsoever but I, I want to figure out a way to make it tangible or where I'm I can really see that I'm helping people find that adventure and going out west maybe that's some sort of resource that that I'm providing where I'm actually, you know, taking people out there if I'm, you know, creating something that I'm helping them actually plan it like specifically for, you know, each person to plan these different hunts. Um so that that's kind of like my when I'm looking out at my stretch goal, my 5-year plan, I want to do something bigger where I feel like I'm I'm truly helping these people out and not and not kind of guessing or assuming that I am. I mean, you know, you get messages saying that that it it's helped them out a lot and they're planning on doing this or they did go out west from it. Um, but I, I want to do something where I feel like I'm really, truly helping people out with it. And w- with that being said, in the one-year plan, I want to continue to inspire people through the podcast and do that from the you know the adventure side of things but in the same mindset I want to really get into the how how to do this and break it down even more and break down the steps like so when I started the podcast I had a lot of people coming on talking about like you you got to go out west or you got to go here you've got to do this in your life but it was really general and I really want to start focusing in on topic-based um, episodes that are that people can listen to and be like, "Wow, I have a I got a really good takeaway from that." Not just from an entertaining standpoint. I, I still want to entertain, obviously, but I want to have something they can really get takeaways from. And with that, I want to get better with with my blog. So I do a lot of freelance writing for other you know, people and stuff, but I'm slow moving on my own blog and and getting content up there, you know, regularly. And I've kind of put the podcast first and trying to do the writing thing, you know, behind it. And, you know, I can make a bunch of excuses on why that hasn't got to the point where I want it to be. But in reality comes down to my time and how I'm, you know, allocating that and, and justifying, you know, what's the most important and, you know, rating it based on that. But I'd, I really want to to help out more with, with that standpoint. So from uh, from as far as that goes, that's what I'm looking to do. Maybe some more content around last year. I did um, a day by day hunt update from Colorado. I carried my equipment with me for 14 days and did did a podcast every night really talking about the experience and and the emotions right after you're done with the day. And I want to do some more stuff like that and and I I guess that's a that's what I what I'm looking to do and the and then also I have I I started um an apparel side of the business as well and so I I designed my logo myself. I kind of taught myself how to use Adobe Illustrator and do that which I realized that, yes, I have been able to do that, but for the amount of time that I'm putting into trying to figure this out for how little I do it, um, I'm going to start, you know, utilizing other people that, you know, do this for a living to help me with it and better, again, allocate my time. 
and get some more stuff on the apparel things out, just lifestyle uh, type apparel for East meets West. And, and that's kind of the, what, what I'm looking to do with it going forward here and where I see the brand and the, and the business going. It's a great answer. So I'm curious cause right now you're working full time and this is on the side, right? Like you're, this isn't your full time gig. Yeah, that's correct. So are, do you see a future that like you might take this eventually? Like, could it be enough to where this is your full-time gig like five years down the road? Yes, I do. And I, yeah, I, that's, that's a very good point. That's, that is my goal. Um, do I know exactly how that's going to be? I mean, I, I understand from the standpoint of, you know, some people do it from an advertising standpoint and an affiliate uh, marketing standpoint only. And I, as I started kind of going down that road a little bit, I've realized that I don't think that's the route I want to take. Um, I, there's, you know, certain companies I love working with and, and would definitely want to do that. But I feel like if it comes to a point where that's all you're relying on, you're going to end up taking, uh, different shortcuts or, or, you know, taking money from companies that you may not truly believe in. And I've realized my audience really, appreciates my just I, I just kind of say it how I think and and I want to make sure I keep that you know relationship with them because obviously they're the ones that are that are creating this you know lifestyle for me and if I let them down by becoming someone I'm not then I don't want that so I'm kind of looking at different avenues and have a bunch of ideas in my head that haven't turned into you know a full business plan or anything yet but I've got some things in my mind that that I can see. I, I, I don't see me, let's put it this way, I do not see myself working full-time as an environmental and safety engineer um, in the long term. I, I just can't, and I, I won't let that happen. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good, man. I'll, I'll tell you, like, the best thing I ever did was sit down and actually write a business plan. And I always advocate for this. I get a lot of people asking me for advice on starting a company um, since since Go Wild, uh, since we launched this. And you know, I, they know that I started this on the side and I was uh, working nights and weekends. And it's like, how did you do this? And uh, the first thing that so many people overlook is a business plan. You can find a free template online, SCORE. Like the, the it's an acronym, SCORE. Uh, look it up, business template. and it will force you to think about not only like how does this thing make money, but who are my competitors? Uh, what do they do better than I do? What what do I do better than them? And walking through that exercise, that alone makes you will help you realize how to 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 monetize this thing. I do think you make an interesting point. Um, I see a lot of and and Josh and I talked about this on his episode of a lot of people think they want to be an influencer. They think they want that brand money. And I'm actually, I've met a lot of people who could take the brand money and they turn it down because they don't want to be tethered to a company. And, you know, companies have to be careful with who they align with from a brand ambassador point, but so do brand ambassadors. You don't want to be, um, attached to a company that, uh, whose product you don't believe in because then, I mean, you could run an ad that's a read that is like, this is what the product does, which is how you would probably handle that scenario. But what happens when people ask you about this on the, when you're on somebody else's show, how are you going to handle that? Are you going to say, oh yes, they pay me 
you know, 10 grand a year to talk about their XYZ, whatever this thing is, their, their widgets, or are you going to be able to say like, I truly love this product and this is why it's great. I think everybody assumes that like the, the, like when you think about influencers, it's like, oh, they just had their pick of the litters and they, uh, you know, probably have nothing but products that they, they love to work with. And it's to the point now, like, do you know how many people have 10,000 followers or 20,000, 30,000? Like it is a dime a dozen on the influencers for brands to pick from. And I, Cody, I've talked to, I, I can say this from Cody, Cody Rich, he actually said this on Garrett Weaver's podcast the other day. He's like, I don't need to pay influencers anymore because that we have so many people that will use our product for free for trade that I can get a high volume of smaller influencers and give them product versus paying one big one. And I think, you know, there, there's going to be a bubble that burst on some of these giant uh, paychecks for influencers at a certain point when brands start to realize that, Hey, you know, uh, these, these celebrities don't really convert any sales. They're, they're good for making people aware of your product, but when it comes to actual ROI, there's none there. So you don't want to build your business model on being an influencer on that alone, because that alone is, is depending on someone else's budget. Like you, you want to have something that's unique to you. So I like what you're talking about. Like, it's not just going to be that. And the affiliate, you know, affiliate links can be, uh, interesting too there's a lot of blogs that make six figures a month running affiliate links and if people don't know what we're talking about with that an affiliate link is like you go on amazon you become a like a, a rep uh, affiliate um account on their their website and you can actually get special links that are unique to you to sell products so if you click on that product and someone buys that product or any product within 24 hours you get a certain cut of that sale and now it's small it's usually between uh, depending on what it is, I think it's like four and 12% on Amazon. But the, uh, you know, the, if you have a blog that's doing, you know, millions of unique impressions, then you can really drive up, you know, a good amount of income from that. So I think you're thinking about it from all the right ways. I, at this point, my recommendation would just be like, sit down and write it out, man. Like you got to go through that exercise at some point. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I started out and I, I do have a business plan written out, but it's got a lot of gaps. And, and I, and I had actually met with a, a business consultant. There's, um, there's a, a program here in, in Northern Pennsylvania that runs through what they call the Pennsylvania wilds. And it's all about this rural, you know, area and this beautiful area that we have, but they really support people that start up small businesses there. And the Clarion university in Pennsylvania runs this small business center that it's a free resource that they'll meet with you, their marketing specialists and some other um, people there and help you, you know, create the business plan and, and give you some feedback and some different things like that. And for me, I mean, I had no background in anything that when it came to, you know, starting a business or figuring this out, I've had a million ideas in my head, but didn't know how to make anything a reality. So that's been really helpful. But what I think and what you're saying to me is, you know, really kind of get that set and, and and revisit it, you know, look at it and, and see, you know, a lot has changed since, you know, seven months ago when I wrote that. Absolutely. And, and I mean, a lot of things. And that that is something that, you know, I need to align with. Sometimes I'm so worried about uh, just rolling with things and trying to, you know, create the content, put it out there and stuff. Sometimes you need to just kind of reset and go back and, and look at, you know, 
are you are you on track with what you're planning on doing are you going down a course you shouldn't be you know what is that i i've always um my biggest personal struggle is is when to say no to things and you know what aligns with my goals and what i'm trying to do you know am i taking on things just to you know gain a couple extra bucks you know you know maybe it's you know writing for this avenue or doing this but is that really helping me or is it just you know spending more time in a place that i shouldn't right right man time time management's key i i'm i'm still trying to figure out this out um i'm i'm trying to be more diligent about what i say yes to uh, and trying to say no more often. And that sucks that I have to do that. Things that I certainly would have said yes to even three months ago or six months ago, I'm, I'm going to have to start turning some stuff down just because as you get more reach or traction or you meet more people, like there's always going to be just the, the law of averages alone. You know, you're going to have more people that want meetings or they want to talk about what they could do for you or their services. And, uh, at, at the more you can, figure those things out, the red flags early, you know, cutting off like a, it could be an entire per like a, a job role. Like on, on LinkedIn, for example, one of mine is freaking recruiters and, uh, tech companies that develop apps. Like I, I get hit up with that crap so much because I'm listed as a co-founder of a tech company on LinkedIn. And oh, okay. it's like, I used to always reply like when it, when, when I was still working full time and I had another job listing, it wasn't as much, I get like one a month and, um, I've, 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 I, w I would respond and be polite. And, and cause I, I always tried to, you know, at least be honest, like, Hey, we just don't need that right now. Like blah, blah, blah. It's gotten to the point where it's like, I'm not even responding. And I would have at one point in my life thought that was rude, like to not answer an email. But the more I'm realizing it's like, I didn't solicit this service. They're blanketing probably 50 other people today, if not more. And they aren't going to remember if, if I responded or not. And, and like at the end of the day, they didn't make any effort to build a relationship with me first. It's like coming out of the gates blazing, like, Hey, let me earn your money. And to me, that's not how good business is done. So I've like pretty much shut off entirely those two job titles. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's really, that's a good point. And the one thing that I, I don't, I'm sure you've kind of went across this too, but I've struggled with people, you know, sending me messages that, telling me you know why i should have them on my podcast and some of them i, I can't even believe the messages they sent oh yeah man like, I, it's like i, I can believe hey, this <laughs> hey i'm reaching out to a bunch of podcasts just got back from this hunt like you know i was successful i did this i'm just wondering when you can get me on your schedule for a podcast i'm like hold on a second here yeah. Like let's let's relax. Let's step back. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I've had quite a few people advocating to put me on on the podcast. And like first rule of podcast is if it, that like that's typically not a good place to start. Of like you advocating for yourself. Like you don't have a it, usually if there's an advocation like that that's um, sensible. It it's coming from like someone's people. Like they've done something to where like they have a team that's advocating that. I have uh, very rarely done this, but like occasionally said like hey we should do a podcast and talk about and it's it's uh but typically i don't approach it from that it's like i hope to be asked to be on someone's show but i i'm not gonna like go out and solicit that um but i've had people too man like um you wouldn't even i you would believe because you're getting hit up with the same style of stuff people wouldn't believe like just um the amount of like really weird people that come out of the woodwork when you have a podcast <laughs> yeah and yeah it's 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 absolutely crazy to me. Like I can't even believe some of the stuff and, and I'm not saying that like, 
you know, there's some people that have reached out that ended up being guests, but they were really, you know, it, it depends on how you go about it. Yeah, for sure. And not just, you know, showing what I can do for them. Yeah. You know, type of thing. And and that's there's there's like I said, I don't want to sound like a, a negative. Well, um, you and I kind you that, and I kind of went that way. I, th- I don't even remember. I think I solicited you, but it was not like a. Um, I don't even remember if we figured out who was going to be on whose show. I was like, "Hey, we should do a podcast." Like, and because I was a fan of what you were doing, like there was a common, like we had a more uh, relationship. Like there was a foundational relationship. We met in person. Like there was, you, you it came about it from the personal angle. Um, I think I, I think I reached out to you first, didn't I? Yeah, you. Uh, or actually, I mean, I, I had reached out to you a long time ago, or I don't know, it wasn't a long time ago, but it felt like it. When uh, you and and Cody Rich, okay, um, did a pod. That's how I found your stuff, and and then I messaged or I maybe I posted it on my story or something about the podcast, and then maybe you messaged me and said thanks, you know, for that from the Go Wild account, and and I you know wrote back said I liked what you were doing, and and that was kind of that, and from there then uh, right before ATA show, I was on an email list that you were on and then that's when you reached out to me oh, and was yeah. like, hey I'd, yeah, you know yeah. i'd love to you know meet up with you I, I like what you're doing like you know and you invited me to that the party that go wild had there with garmin and uh, i wasn't able to attend that but you and i met up at the show the next day and kind of hit it off from that side of things and and you know, you know we should record a show and i was like all right well you want to be on mine and, and you kind of said the same so <laughs> it, it worked it worked out from from that side of things you know and 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 that's 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 a you know good way of going about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, the fact that I couldn't even remember. Well, actually, I guess that speaks as much to my memory as the process. But like making <laughs> making that personal introduction goes so much further than just coming in hard and fast with the sales pitch, man. Like I can't believe the amount of people that think that's the way to approach anything. Um, I, my favorite example of that of how to do that poorly is the amount of people that hit us up for sponsorships and they lead in. I, some of these people just lead in with an email that says, Hey, will you sponsor me? There's no link to a YouTube page. There's nothing. And that's like, that's like your borderline, probably teenage kids. And that's like, cool there. I was young and dumb once too, and probably would have done something like that. And then there's elevate that to like an adult who will try to sell us like just super hard sell. And you can almost tell that this is a blanket. Like if I can tell this is a blanket email that you're sending everybody else, there's zero chance I'm responding. Um, if if I think you've at least taken the time to customize it, I will usually rep- respond and, and decline uh, to, to be courteous to people. Like they have an admiration for what we're doing. I want to be nice to them. Um, but but yeah, the, the never leading uh, like leading in with the hard sell is never the way to go about that. I actually have a really good show with John Hunter. Um, my 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 second sh- or my first show I ever did. It's number two on the the series or on Restless Native, John talks about the right way to get sponsored uh, if people are into that kind of thing. Um, again, a lot, I, I don't, I don't even know if people really want to be sponsored if they really knew what all that entailed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like you don't just post about stuff and there's no accountability. Like brands want to know how many links you drove or like clicks you drove. They want to know what they're selling. They're going to want to know impression counts. You better be hitting every point of your contract that says all these things you have to do. Like it's a lot of freaking work and it's a lot of stress if you're, if, if you are running a lot of these, but John breaks down how to approach brands to get in that discussion and to warm up the cell and how to pitch yourself and what kind of metrics they're looking for. You might like it, Bo. Uh, going, I mean, it was my, 
probably yeah. it's, it's probably I'm, terrible. I haven't listened to it since then. It was my literally my first show with a guest, and uh, we we weren't even in a studio or anything. We went to his dad's construction company and recorded um, up up in a conference room. But um, he has some really great advice, and John's a smart guy. I mean, he's got a degree in business, and he he has um, you know these anglers have some serious clients. John's got some pretty fat um, clients on, on his boat. So he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to definitely check that one out. That's, that's a, one of the, again, another thing that, that I'm seeing with, you know, with, with the podcast growing and some other things, you know, I'd like to, to be able to add, and, and I have added a couple, um, partnerships, but I'm, I guess, like I was saying earlier, I'm really weary on that. And, and I have a, just a few in mind, you know, that I want to work with and, you know, how do I, you know, how do you go and you pitch these ideas to these people? I'm not good at, you know, that side of it. I don't like asking for things. I like to show people of it and hope that, you know, that they come, you know, to you with opportunities. And sometimes that works that way, but it doesn't all the time. You know, if you're giving someone free content and everything, why are they going to just come at you and offer you money or this or that, you know? So yeah, well, it's, and, a, and it's if, a really interesting thing. And they're not going to point out the fact that they're not paying you. Like they're going to keep taking what you're giving them. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm on this from both sides now, like trying to earn advertisers with the go wild and also on the, uh, people are trying to earn our business. Uh, we, you know, we, we sponsor a few people too. Um, so I've, I, I can totally relate to both sides, but I think more than anything, man, like enthusiasm and being genuine wins me over more than almost anything. Like we work with some people that have a much smaller reach than what we could pay. Uh, we, we have a, you know, a holistic budget for, for influencers and, you know, we could take that whole budget and get a much bigger person, but I, it's important to me that we like who we're working with because I, I don't want to have somebody, if it feels like it was painful for you to do, to promote our product, then I don't want to work with you. Like I, people that yeah. are genuinely excited about it, um, I, I actually have approached them and saying, Hey, I've seen you promoting us. And like, I, I like what you're doing. I'd like to expand upon that in this way. And then they get to price it and tell us what they think it's worth. It's a different conversation, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And so the one thing that I, I want, I was really excited about was recently I had partnered with Corey Jacobson and his university of elk hunting, which is an online course, uh, f for helping people to, well, as it says, elk hunt. And, uh, I had, I have, you know, purchased this year long membership three years in a row now and have just talked about it on my podcast and how great it's been. Cause it truly has been to me. And then, you know, recently he reached out to me and was like, Hey, do you have any opportunities for, um, advertising through your podcast? Like I'd, I really like, you know, your genuine attitude about it. You've never come and asked me for anything. You know, you're just doing this because you really believe in it. And and those type of partnerships and stuff, I mean, that's just ideal. <laughs> it doesn't always happen, yeah. you know, that easily, but it, that was pretty cool to be able to, to see that happen. Yeah, it's kind of funny. And then there's the flip of things. Like sometimes I promote things I just truly love. Like I, I, I would almost guarantee that my followers on anything think that I – that Casey over at Tacticalories is paying me. And I don't make a dime from anything with Casey. We've even got a go out discount for people to get free shipping over at Tacticalories. And I don't even know. I think Casey sent me one free package. Like uh, He gave me some seasoning once for free. 
just to try it out because he knew I cooked a lot and I had wild, it was a, his wild game seasoning. I think he sent me a packet of that for free or like a couple packs of that to test out. And um, like only after I had promoted the hell out of this stuff. I mean, it's still promoted all the time and it's because I want people to know about a product that I'm excited about. You know, it's totally different. Um, I, I have actually said this too. Like if Casey called me up tomorrow and was like, Hey man, I got a, I, I just got a new investor and we've got a, you know, a, a 40 grand a year marketing budget for influencers alone. And I want to give you a thousand dollars a month. I'd be like, man, thanks, but no thanks. Like truly I would turn, turn it. Like, I don't want to do that. And not that I, I'm not an influencer personally. Like I have, I don't know, 1500 followers on Instagram. I'm in no way an influencer, but if he did offer that, I would not want it because then all of a sudden it's like, it's work, you know, like I love posting yeah. about tacticalories because it has really, it's made cook. I, I love to cook and I love to make like crazy stuff, but some nights you just need a quick and dirty thing. That's good. And you know, Montreal steak seasoning for me doesn't get it done. Uh, like uh, Casey actually has a funny joke. It's like, what does Montreal taste like? <laughs> and, uh, so he's got like all these crazy flavors. Like last night I, uh, it was one of those rush nights and I didn't have time to, um, make a big fancy dinner. So, uh, or I didn't even have any game or anything out of my freezer thawed out. So I just stopped and grabbed some chicken wings on the way home, throw on his, uh, Chipotle lime seasoning. Boom. Like instant, fantastic dinner that I did in 20, 30 minutes. Uh, just with, and I posted about it and it's like, I love that product, but the minute he started paying me, it'd be a job and I wouldn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, that's and like you said, it's a, it is a lot more work than if someone that hasn't you know dabbled in. It, it's different than as you see across um, these companies offer you know field staff and pro staffs where you get you know fifteen percent off a product, a sticker for your vehicle, and you know and and then you post about it on social media. Like with you know an influencer or an ambassador type program, there's real responsibilities that go with it. And it takes a lot of time and you're, you know, you really have to drive, you know, sales for them to make it worthwhile. But at the same time, you got to make sure you're doing it in a, in a, a way that a tasteful way, you know, cause I, like you said, you, you don't want to be one of them people that's just constantly promoting things You you lose, you know, the value in it and, and your listeners or your followers or whatever they may be just, drop off because of it i know i've lost i'm not respect for the person but for their views on things as they've you know grown and taken a different route with it and don't get me wrong i understand that you know if they're making a living doing it and stuff there's a balance there but sometimes people just take it too far yeah i agree and hey, i'm curious um who, who's your like ultimate guest that you could get to for your podcast huh like my my dream guest to get on the podcast. Yeah, any budget time constraints put aside, like who would you love to get on the show? So it's probably one that uh, that just about anybody would want on, but I, I think I'd love to sit down with Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like that guy would just be a blast to sit down and, and talk to about things. And, and so it's just not, you know, he's he is a hunter, but – um, he's just so knowledgeable in a lot of different things that I think I could learn a lot from him there and probably 
get high on secondhand smoke, but <laughs> either way, it's uh, I, I think it would be really cool to, to to get to talk to Joe. But other than that, like I really haven't thought of that one guest that that I want to have on as a as a dream goal. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rogan would be one that would totally come in and dominate your interview too. Like you would not be interviewing him. Like he's just I, no. He's been <laughs> he's been doing this longer than anybody in the game, and he's got. You know, he's just he's gonna totally own that conversation. I'm pretty sure uh, on Steve Ranella is it Steve Ranella's? Is he the first guest on that? I know he was the first on Cam Haynes Shortly Live podcast, and he totally dominated that. Yeah, um, yeah. he just he's just gonna do that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm also curious, like, who's your sleeper guest of everybody you've had on of the unknowns? Like, who's the one that if people go and listen to one show of yours, who should it be? So if you're into whitetail hunting, the one with Johnny Stewart that I released, he's a, the one I was telling you about earlier. I just released it in January. He's a, a, a local Southwest Pennsylvania guy, and Johnny is just has so much knowledge and in a way that you've never heard anybody talk about whitetail hunting. Like his thought process makes you think that he's absolutely insane, but the guy is extremely successful and when you when you sit down and think of his illogical way of thinking about it, it it makes sense. And he's taught me so much um, over the years of getting to know him. And I'm getting so much feedback on that, being like, "You need to have him back on." Like I, I you know, I never thought of it from this standpoint. But that guy, uh, Johnny Stewart, was the one that that I would recommend anyone listen to that that hasn't heard of it. All right. It looks like it's episode 46, um, public land, whitetail tactics with Johnny Stewart. Yep. That would be, that would be it. And like I said, it's, it's a, you know, topic based and we jump around a lot, but it's, but it was, uh, one that I definitely recommend from that standpoint. Dude. And there's one other one I do want to recommend from someone, um, that's on the other side of it with like the adventure hunting and also looking at, you know, budgeting and some other different lessons with it. And it's episode uh, 002. It's called Adventure Hunting with Matt Comment. And Matt is someone that I met. Uh, well, actually, I heard on a podcast. He was, he's still, you know, not a relatively big name. He doesn't want to be. Um, but he's a very accomplished hunter. He's from Pennsylvania originally. I just reached out to him because um, I saw he was from Pennsylvania and I heard him on a podcast. And we ended up meeting up and and at the total archery challenge a few years ago before i even started the podcast and he's taught me a lot and that podcast specifically really dives into how a normal guy that works a full-time job you know isn't rich by any means is able to do some absolute dream hunts that you would think that you know that he's you know uh, a celebrity at you know for lack of better terms for the hunts he gets to go on that's awesome man and it's all coming down to budgeting and his way of, you know, aligning goals. He's made me feel bad about some of my purchases. You know, when I bought a I bought a truck last year that it was it was used, but it was a, a newer truck and he sent me a text message that said, You're driving your sheep hunt. Uh, <laughs> and I just started laughing, but Yeah. That one's a really one that I think people could get a lot out of. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Cool man. Uh, what have I not asked you about that, that you wanted to hit on, on, on this show? Ah, oh, man, I think you really dove into, uh, a lot of stuff there. I, 
I don't think really anything else just other than uh, the podcast. I'm really, you know, hoping to continue just to put out, you know, good content and looking for some more different writing uh, avenues and have some things in the works there. So uh, I'm really excited for 2019. So let's put it that way. Oh, you know what? I'll recommend a show of yours. Um, I liked your one with Allie and Nick. Um, oh and, yeah, and Marta. Um, I I just thought yeah. I just thought it was fun. I don't know. I had just met Allie at uh, ATA, and I just met you at ATA, and I'm like, ah, oh, they're together on this show. I'm gonna listen to it. <laughs> um, yeah. So so I thought, and I met Nick too. I didn't mean to exclude him on the the meet. They, they were kind of cruising around. They were doing content for ATA, and and she popped over for a bit and said, hey. Uh, but I thought that was a fun show. Um, she's a great interview. I'd love to get her on the. I've been actually we've been trying to schedule a podcast for uh, weeks now, but she's been she's been caught up with uh, her brand, and it was during trade show season two, so she's kind of been moving around. So um, maybe I'll get her soon. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to get her on. I mean, she is that that whole group dynamic that we had there. Not that it surprised me, um, but I had never met them before. Uh, I I knew so I had some mutual friends that were friends with, you know, Nick and I had mutual friends. So I knew of him and, and Allie, obviously she is definitely considered an influencer in the outdoor space. And they were just super down to earth people and great to, to talk with. And like you said, that, that was one of my favorite conversations. I felt like it flowed together really well. Yeah, it was great. It's a fun show. Um, yeah, I mean it's like a hunt camp chat. That's what I, I anytime, you know, you have just natural conversation flow and storytelling and and whatnot. I wanted to get into some stories with you, but uh I I picked the day. So I've I've been doing like some weird health, not weird. I've been doing like I've been shaking up my health routine over the last year, trying to get healthier, trying to get my uh, into a diet that like fits me and feels good uh that I don't feel like death after I eat things. Like there's I've always had that like like explosive death feeling like you either feel like super <laughs> sluggish or like I, my food is not fueling me. It's actually like making me feel worse. So I, I started doing paleo. I, and I stopped doing paleo and doing like primal where there's some dairy, yada, yada. And then I, through all of learning about paleo, there's a lot of talk about, um, people that eat paleo tend to really mimic, want to mimic like the hunter gatherer, uh, lifestyle, which I think you can take to too far of an extreme, but something that's been interesting to me and Rogan talks about this a lot too, especially if you've listened to like his episodes with Chris Cresser, who I think is an incredibly smart guy on nutrition. They talk about the value of like intermittent fasting and without doing like any of my own research, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this week. And so I started that. I didn't eat, I haven't eaten since dinner last night. And, uh, yeah. So I, well, no, it's actually not been bad. Like it's not been bad. But I've I, I was actually hungrier this morning at breakfast time, um, but I I'm now like starting to get to the point where I'm like okay I need some food I need to like actually eat something and uh, I could drag this show out for like another hour like it's been fun chatting with you but I'm also to the point where I know I need to put some fuel in my brain. <laughs> well, I I am I am gonna add a comment to what you just said there about the intermittent fasting. So I am a morning eating machine. Like I love. I eat between three to four eggs and bacon nice. every single day. Heck yeah. And that's like my thing. And well, my cousin keeps telling me about intermittent fasting and, you know, and I, I was having some, um, issues with, you know, feeling sluggish and everything. And I, and I know already that, you know, I don't do well with, with wheat and some other different things that from the, from what the doctors have told me that, 
I shouldn't be eating that. But anyways, I so I'm, my diet's been pretty good, but I eat a lot in the mornings. I'm always hungry. And he's like, you got to try intermittent fasting. Well, the problem with me doing it is I work out every morning between 4.30 and 5 in the morning. So after yeah. doing that, I just – I need food. I I tried it for two days. I'd get to like 10 in the morning and I felt so sick because yep. I just needed food. And, and I think if you're going to be, you know, working out in the morning, maybe you need to shift that fasting schedule. I don't know. I'm not an expert on I'm it. I'm not either. I haven't figured it out. I, I'm not either. I've read a little bit about it and it doesn't seem as, I mean, I know there's like, it does work in the morning for some people, but you can also do like breakfast to dinner. Uh, one thing that Rogan said on his, he was talking about Henry Rollins. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he was on Rogan and he was talking about doing it. And he's like, I just kind of naturally do it. He's like, I don't know who invented the idea of lunch. Like, why do we think we need to have three meals a day? And he was talking about how it's, he's had incredible, like he feels great when he eats less. And that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out is like, Cresser says to eat like on smaller plates, but also to eat 80 when you're 80% full to stop. And, you know, kind of keeping that in mind and like what I'm eating. And uh, I also think I have some type of weed allergy. I haven't been to the, the doctor thought it was dairy, but I've figured out that like I can have certain dairy. So um, I feel great. I mean, some of, there was a guy on Go Wild the other day who um, I posted some pancakes and they were paleo pancakes because he, he, and he, but he commented, I didn't say that they were, I'm not like flaunting it all the time. I uh, just posted like a, a breakfast picture of some eggs and uh, paleo pancakes and just said something about how good it was. And he said, how do you not weigh 300 pounds? Cause I, I do cook and like post about food all the freaking time. And it's, it's like, <laughs> I, I, it looks like it's really, you know, some of it you would think is super unhealthy. Uh, but I said, actually, man, I've been like, I've, I've been losing weight. I've been like, I lost like 18 pounds when I started eating paleo. And uh, he's like, how do you, how do you make pancakes that are paleo? I said, they're made with coconut flour. And he's like, all right, dude, now you just sound like a chick. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey man, if, if that's like, if feeling as good as I do now compared to like when I don't eat this diet, I'll take being a, a if, if like being a female is the best insult you got for me, I'll take it all day long. Cause I, uh, it's, it's like, I mean, it's really like the stomach issues that I can get out of wheat. Sometimes it's just not, it's not worth it. Like there's no amount of no. burgers or whatever you want to throw at me that that's worth it. Um, maybe if I'm traveling and it's like, Holy crap, this is supposed to be the best Nashville hot chicken you can get. I'm like, okay, that might be worth it for like a one-time thing there. But like to just randomly go out here in Louisville and get a burger, like I'm not going to do that anymore. It's just, it's not worth it for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't blame you. I went three years without eating any, any gluten, any dairy because the doctor said like, they told me I had like 20 some different food allergies oh, geez. and yeah, and uh, what I ended up finding a lot of it to be dealt with was I have Lyme's disease as well. Oh, jeez. From a, te a tick, and yeah, not to make that doom and gloom, but I'm fine. And uh, I, but I, I just couldn't do that any longer, 100% that way. So I still eat very clean, and for the most part, but I need cheat things here and there. You know, I need to be able to have a regular beer if I want it or if I want a burger, I'd, I'd do it and put up with the struggles here and there. But I know if I'm doing something important and uh, if I need to use my brain, I need to be eating clean. <laughs> Dude, I, I, so I just texted you a website that I've been uh, checking out. It, uh, I've been using this lady's site for about six months now, paleomg.com. And she, okay. she's got some fantastic recipes for burgers she'll she has like there's some uh gluten-free wheat-free 
uh, buns you can make and she, she'll sometimes put them on biscuits. Uh, you can also, she has some sliders that she'll make, like cut a sweet potato, a, like a nice half an inch cut of a sweet potato and use that as your bun base. So it's like an open face burger. She's got all kinds of solutions for, for eating paleo, but also super delicious. Um, I mean, I, some of the best recipes I've ever made, actually most of like what I would qualify as best recipes ever made have come from her site. I mean, it's just incredible food. Uh, check it out. I, all of them work with wild game. I mean, I've been doing most of these with venison, um, like I mean, it's just a phenomenal website, paleomg.com, for anybody that's looking. You're going to look at this website, and you're going to be like, Brad's totally a chick, and you know what? Don't care. <laughs> that's fine. Hey, when you if you feel better, it doesn't matter. That's, right, that's the way I, I, I used to be embarrassed about it, and anymore I'm like, I don't care. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, well, I mean, but. there's a lot of people, like Ronella keeps joking that uh, he's like, I don't know, man. It seems like a lot of liberals that have gluten intolerance, and I, to- I totally <laughs> was that guy. I totally thought it was made up. I didn't think gluten was a real thing. Um, I'm like, oh, it doesn't have, I, I actually used to say that I have an iron stomach. Like I thought I could eat anything, but I, you, until you stop eating anything and you don't know how bad, like your, your system is actually malfunctioning. So, um, yeah, people are probably tired of hearing this. This comes up quite a bit on my podcasts, uh, since I've been doing this, but I mean, I'm, I'm an evangelist for it because I believe in it. And I, I, one of the, I was hanging out in Houston Safari club and one of the guys was telling me that, uh, he's been having issues and I'm like, come here, man, let me show you this website and tell you what, you, what, what's worked for me. Like, I don't know that it'll work for everybody, but if it makes anybody feel better, one person feeling better, you know, after I know after how bad I would feel sometimes, um, you know, it, it will make you, you will get like 20% more energy if, if, if you have the issues, these, these wheat issues, if, if, and some people don't, my wife cannot tell a difference between when we eat paleo and when we don't, you know, uh, some people are more resistant to it, but if you're having that issue and you stop and clean, like you said, clean out your diet, holy crap, what a difference it makes. Yeah, no, d- definitely. I uh, I completely agree. And whatever whatever it takes to, to feel better, I'm willing to do it, you know, once you feel that sluggish feeling. And once you – some people don't even realize that they have any issues with it because they're just used to feeling that way. Yep, yep. But, for sure, man. But anyways, Brad, I'll let you go now. For instance, I drug on the end of the conversation. Oh no, it's there, fine. I, I didn't have to drop in that I hadn't eaten anything today, but I kind of I kind of took us there. So, <laughs> uh, and, then, and then once we started talking paleo and cooking, it's like something I'm really passionate about. So, all right, man. Well, thanks for uh, hopping on. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah, it has been, Brad. Uh, you take care. All right, take care, Bo. All right, thank you, Bo, for taking some time. Bo's uh, still working full time, so he's you know running around trying to get ready for shows, um, doing it in his off hours. So we recorded this in the evening, as you can tell by the end of the show. There, uh, great guy though. Happy to meet Bo at ATA. Happy to stay in touch with this guy. And fun fact, I am going to be joining Bo on his podcast soon, so I'll, I'll let you guys know when that's there. It'll be fun, just like the Cody Rich interview, you know. Um, it, you've heard me interviewed by him, and then me interview Cody, which actually somehow with Cody still inter- inter- ends up with him interviewing me. That's what he does to every podcast that I've heard him on. Um, I would like to ha- hear him like have a podcast off with, with uh, Joe Rogan. But, you know, Bo... Um, he and I kind of met up at ATA and it's like, Hey, who should be on whose podcast? I don't know. Let's just both do it. So, uh, glad, glad I got to go first. Uh, that's always, 
Always fun to get things started. We'll kick it off. I thought Bo did uh, great. I'm looking forward to joining him soon. All right, I want to remind you about that turkey hunt. If you didn't already sign up for the NWTF sweepstakes, you got to do that now. I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, if you're a member, I mean, membership is A, it's really cheap. Uh, 35 bucks and it goes towards conservation and um, soon you'll hear on my show about how that 35 bucks gets put to work but just trust me you definitely want to get in on the sweepstakes we're talking about a free turkey hunt that you could win here you and a buddy are going to wisconsin on go out's dime uh, the nwtf is is involved here they're sponsoring this event and uh you know go up chase birds you, i think you're even gonna get to do some fishing it's a guided hunt all the gear is provided you're gonna win win some gear so just do it just sign up get involved um as always if you haven't left a review for restless nato we certainly appreciate that please tell a friend or five and if you have any feedback of things you don't like about the show i'm always listening so you know where to find me message me on go wild all right that's it for today i'm out we